from all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. A battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I say no contract, you say no code. No contract, no If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today on the program, updates on the coal miner strike and child labor in Alabama. We'll be lamenting the fall of local news, talking about the material consequences of the culture war and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number and the line is open. You can call or text 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave a voicemail throughout the week, and we might play it on the next program. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you can find us online. We're anywhere you find anything online, all at the Valley Labor Report. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, TikTok. Just search for the Valley Labor Report and you'll be able to find us. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. Uh, So we couldn't do it without you. It costs money to be on commercial radio. We don't take any of that money as wages for ourselves. This is a labor of love. We do it on a volunteer basis. All of the money goes to the running of the show, paying the stations to be on the air. and and so yeah, that, that's what it goes to. If you want to be part, uh, if you want to become a sustaining member of the program, make a one-time donation, buy our new hat, or pre-order our new shirts. You can go to our website, tvlr.fm, tvlr.fm/store, or become a patron at patreon.com/thevalleylaborreport. Uh, and if you're a member of a union, you should get your local to sponsor the show. You can reach out to me for more details on that. Um, we definitely appreciate our local union sponsors and our international union sponsors and our union-represented business sponsors and our progressive nonprofit sponsors. All of it is very important to everybody chipping in just a little bit here and there keeps us on the air. I mentioned that we've got a phone number and the line is open. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can call or text and we'll be able to get it. And uh, we will start the show with a text from last week right after the show. It's from Penny in Connecticut. Penny says, wow, I haven't been able to watch live when you were broadcasting in quite a while and you read my YouTube chat and my text. Indeed, I did, Penny. Uh, and she was the one last week, if you remember, whose granddaughter is going to be in 
uh, it, it lobbied for her school to do the play Newsies, since they've got some kind of contract with Disney or something, and it has to be like a Disney play. And so she wanted to do something more important, more, you know, more interesting, more relevant uh, than just a princess being saved. So she wanted to do Newsies, which is a show about like a newspaper strike, which is pretty cool. She says, the musical is for the upcoming school year, so the performance won't be until March or April, but I will definitely send some video when it happens. I really appreciate everything you guys do. I've been a regular listener since the start of the Warrior Met Strike. When I saw Jacob on another show promoting ways to support the miners and their families, I live in Connecticut, but I think that the issues that you and your guests cover are relevant for everyone. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate your support, and uh, I appreciate your support of the miners. It's a very important issue. Absolutely. Um, Thank you, Penny. Uh, Always glad to hear from folks from other states. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and really excited to see uh, your granddaughter perform Newsies. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll hold you to it. Um, <laughs> and uh, speaking of ways to support the the miners who are on strike, they're still on strike right now. Um, and, and you can still support them. You can still donate to their strike fund. Um, you can uh, – don't. they have a um, – they're having a school supply drive. Um, and so if you go on Twitter, find Hayden Wright. She's the president of the Women's Auxiliary down there. Just search for her account, Hayden Wright, H-A-E-D-E-N-W-R-I-G-H-T on Twitter. Hayden Wright on Twitter, um, and you can uh, you can donate to their school supply drive. Make sure that their kids have uh, just as uh, everything that they need to get to school, and that they are not um, they're not in any worse position than the Scabs kids. We want to make sure that that they're taken care of. So uh, go over there, um, donate to the strike pantry, donate to the strike fund if you can. Um, let's start with. Last week in Southern Labor. Let's go right into it. Last week in Southern Labor is a segment that we do every week, mostly, where we tell you what happened in the labor movement in the South. We pull the information with permission from Jonah Furman's newsletter, Who Gets the Bird?, which compiles all this information for the entire United States. So if you want to see what's going on outside the South, then you should subscribe to that newsletter at whogetsthebird.substack.com. In new, uh, so with that, let's jump into new organizing for the weeks of July 14th through the 23rd. In new organizing, this has been the slowest week of new filings for a long time for Starbucks Workers United, with just three stores covering 56 workers filing for elections, including one in Houston, Texas. And it, it is that is definitely, definitely the slowest week in a long time uh, for new filings for the Starbucks Workers United campaign. Uh, but just think about that, the fact that three Starbucks stores across the country filing for a union election is a slow week that's a totally different place than we were in a year ago with uh with starbucks specifically um so very excited for those workers and looking forward to seeing them win their union election 41 workers who make and deliver cookies for Tiff's Treats at two locations in Austin, Texas, are joining Workers United, or also possible they're forming an independent union with the name Workers United, as we've seen elsewhere. 
Big new retail brand Lululemon is on the organizing map as 33 workers in the Georgetown, D.C. location have filed for an independent union. 16 techs and installers for ADT, ADT Security in Gainesville, Florida, are unionizing with IBEW Local 1205. 12 workers for what seems like a federal contractor called Inspections Experts in Nashville are joining the Operating Engineers Local 369. Seven workers for Building Products Supplier ABC Supply in Bowling Green, Kentucky, are unionizing with Teamsters, Local 89, and this week the Congressional Workers Union made it official with staffers at eight House offices filing to unionize. Those would be Representatives Ro Khanna, Lou, Ted Lou, uh, Corey Bush, Chewy Garcia, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Representative Stansberry's offices. Uh, so we should be seeing some notices of voluntary recognition very soon. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. In election wins and losses, 152 Starbucks workers this week voted to go with Workers United at six of seven stores that held vote counts this week. But unfortunately, the one vote uh, to happen in the South failed with union supporters at a Starbucks in Winter Park, Florida, uh, voting not to join the Starbucks Workers United union. With the wins, however, Starbucks Workers United has now officially unionized over 200 stores in 10 months. 200 stores in 10 months. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. 24 workers who make auto parts for Hercules International in Huntington, West Virginia, voted 12 to 10 to join the Steelworkers. 128 workers who do food sanitation at the Pilgrim's Pride Poultry Plant in Waco, Texas, voted 3 to 23, which is just a 20% turnout, not to join UFCW Local 540, though the main unit of hundreds of workers at the plant voted to join the local a year ago. Having been unrecognized by the Trump Federal Labor Relations Board, the National Association of Immigration Judges, which is affiliated with IFPTE, are pushing to restore their union recognition. And while not in, a, in the South, shout out to the first ever union at a Trader Joe's in Hadley, Massachusetts. The independent Trader Joe's United Union announced its victory in a post on Twitter, noting, despite the company's best efforts to bust us, our majority has never waned. A total of 45 employees voted in favor of unionizing with 31 against. Extremely exciting news. And two other uh, Trader Joe's have f since filed for a union election. So hopefully the one in Huntsville follows uh, not too, uh, not in the not-too-distant future. In strikes and bargaining, call center workers for the Washington, D.C. Public Transit Agency, WMATA's Paratransit Service Metro Access, have authorized a strike with ATU Local 689. In Tampa, the cops, with the Police Benevolence Association, the firefighters... International Association of Firefighters Local 754 and the Transit Workers ATU Local 1464 all have tentative agreements with a pretty impressive wage pattern. 18.5% raises over three years, with 9.5% in the first year. 
they might actually keep up with inflation. <laughs> so that's good to hear. Uh, IUECWA is speaking out against their big employer GE's move nationally to rebrand and split up the company. So we'll see what happens there. And finally, in internal union politics, the UAW Constitution... Uh, the UAW's Constitutional Convention is now in session. The best resource that I found for keeping apprised of events is the Unite All Workers for Democracy's Daily Bulletins, which you can find linked uh, in his newsletter. And uh, I guess, in honor of the convention, um, the two imprisoned former presidents of the new union were let out early. <laughs> so uh, everyone is now clear on the cost of defrauding millions of workers. Wow. Um, Definitely just, interested to see what happens out of that convention, though. Uh, the was- convention just ended a couple of days ago, and I'm sure that Jonah will will go over this in next week's uh who gets the bird but a couple of things to note the convention started with an increase in the strike pay from $250 a week to $400 a week and then at the convention delegates voted to increase it again to $500 a week which would match the mine workers new um new strike pay of $500 a week but then get this after that Uh, On the last day of the convention, when they were not supposed to have any new business, after many delegates had already gone home, the administration caucus put forward a resolution to rescind that increase in strike pay. And it won. It won because so many of the delegates had already gone back home. And so they went back down to a $400 a week strike pay. You know, I think that really reiterates the need for the reform movement to keep moving in the UAW. We need a much stronger, more militant, more democratic UAW. I think that's important for not just the labor movement, really for the state of the United States. Um, And I had a good conversation with a UAW retiree yesterday evening talking about this very thing. Uh, He was not aware of the one member, one vote uh, you know, progress that has been made. Uh, but we had a long chat about some of the issues in the UAW. And this is someone who, you know, will freely admit that the UAW saved his family uh, and mm-hmm. probably saved his life right. uh, with the benefits and protection they provided. But he certainly experienced some of the downsides as well. So disappointed to hear that about uh, those last minute, you know, yeah. shenanigans at the convention. So really, really want to lift up the UAWD, Unite All Workers for Democracy, and the good work they're doing to reform the UAW to be a better, stronger, more democratic union. Indeed. And uh, on this note, I'll take this moment of privilege to uh, shout out the new members of IATSE 900 here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, We had our meeting Monday evening and swore in. Uh, about 20 new members, and there's uh, a couple dozen more members that are going to be sworn in next month. So way to go, IOTC 900. Great to see the local stagehands union growing. Yep. Definitely really exciting. Um, looking forward to talking to some of them, some of the new folks uh, on the show maybe at some point. You got one of them already. <laughs> it was definitely uh, an honor to be sworn in officially on Monday. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. appreciate it. So yep. lots of lots of good brothers and sisters in this union um, hoping for me to get things ahead. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, 
Um, so the Alabama coal miners, like I mentioned earlier, the members of the United Mine Workers of America, have been on strike at Warrior Met Coal in Brookwood for nearly 500 days. Specifically, at time of recording, 485 days, according to striking miner Ben McRae, who begins every day by tweeting out, Good morning to everybody but Warrior Met Coal, <laughs> with the number of days on strike. Yesterday was day 484. Um, the resilience from those on strike has really been astounding. I talked to folks in the union, and according to the union, only 121 miners out of the original 1,100, 1,000-some-odd miners who went on strike have crossed the picket line after a year and a half, after almost a year and a half. That is incredibly, incredibly impressive retention of people go on strike in rural Alabama, um, where unions are not very strong, uh, where there's not a huge union presence, to be able to keep 80, 90 percent of the folks who went out on strike, keep them out on strike right. for almost 500 days. In this economy, yes. you know, racked by inflation, um, like you said, in an environment that's not totally friendly, certainly mm-hmm. with very minimal support from the political establishment. Yeah, it's it's quite an accomplishment. I think really a testament to the hard work of organizing that so many of these sisters and brothers have been doing down in Brookwood. Absolutely. Uh, Worry Met has long been desperate to uh, fill these positions with scabs. They've only been able to operate the mines, as I understand it, at a 20 to 30 percent capacity, um, combining the people who crossed the picket line, the scabs um, – who crossed the picket line, who went out on strike, and then other people who are not previously affiliated with the union, people who are, in a lot of cases, coming from out of state um, and and taking these people's jobs. Warrior Met's long been desperate to fill these positions with scabs, spending who knows how much money advertising in other states, sending people to job fairs in West Virginia and Kentucky and all over to try to get folks to scab and break the strike. Well, the name... Warrior Met must be well known enough now, especially in coal mining communities, that they are having trouble finding folks willing to stab their sisters and brothers in the back and cross state lines to scab. And good on them. Uh, And shame on the ones who are doing that. As Jack London said, the author of The Iron Heel and Call of the Wild, uh, there is nothing lower than a scab. Um Maybe maybe I can pull that quote up uh, about uh, Jack London's scab quote. But um, so to address that issue, Warrior Met Cole has begun trying to hire scabs under a new name, Cole LLC, instead of under the name Warrior Met Cole. Hayden Wright, president of the Women's Auxiliary down there, broke this on Twitter last week, saying, So Warrior Met is now advertising as Cole LLC to try and recruit scabs while they refuse to negotiate in good faith with the Alabama mine workers. This is a blatant attempt to bust the union. Um, And it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Seeing that, Elise Joshi... Executive Director of Gen Z for Change amplified this, encouraging folks to apply for the position to gum up the works to make it that much harder for Warrior Met to get scabs to fill the jobs. This is a very easy thing to do. 
and a way to support the strike. If you've got time, if you haven't, if you've been wanting to maybe support the strike, but you haven't been able to donate money, you're not in a position to do that. Here's a way that you can take 30 seconds of your time and support these folks. So I would definitely encourage you to send in a fake application uh, <laughs> to this uh, uh, um, to Cole LLC, which is definitely not Warrior Matt Cole. The email is lnp at email.vccs.edu. Again, the email is ln as in Nick p at email dot v c cs.edu the phone number is 276-971-3533 again that phone number is 276-971-3533 so if you've got the time definitely uh, if you've got the time definitely definitely take the time to do that Uh, and here's that Jack London quote uh, that that I asked (laughs) that that I uh, Adam pulled it up for me after God had finished the rattlesnake the toad and the vampire, he had some awful substance left with which he made a scab. A scab is a two-legged animal with a corkscrew sole, a waterlogged brain, a combination of backbone of jelly and glue. Where others have hearts, he carries a tumor of rotten principles. When a scab comes down the street, men turn their backs and angels weep in heaven, and the devil shuts the gates of hell to keep him out. Amen. Yep. Amen to that. Given this information about Warrior Mets scouring the countries for scabs, it's pretty clear that they're trying to do everything that they can to break the union, just like Hayden Wright said. This, despite having lost over a billion dollars in revenue over the course of the strike, and despite even BlackRock saying, basically, enough is enough, let's end the strike we're losing a lot of money here. And what are, what are the financial what is the financial situation here? The price of steel has gone through the roof since the beginning of the strike. The coal that is mined down in Brookwood is not energy coal, it is metallurgical coal. Metallurgical coal which is used in the production of steel. So this, so so the price of steel going through the roof is obviously a price uh, affecting the price of this coal. So even though even though they are operating at only 20 to 30% capacity, they're still not actually losing money on the operation of the mines because the um because the price of steel is so high, because the price of their product has, has increased so greatly. So they're not actually like losing money, quote unquote, but they are missing out on all of the money that they would be making if they could operate their mines at 100, 110, 130% capacity, right? And what that amounts to, the amount that they could have, the amount of coal that they could have brought out of Alabama operating at 100% capacity. The difference between that and what they've actually been able to bring out is over a billion dollars worth of coal just in a year. Over a billion dollars that they've missed out on just simply because, just simply because of their um, of of their their greed, their lust for power over the mm-hmm. workers, the the. Uh, 
Just the idea that they would have to contend with people who have a contract, who have rights, who have safety that they can enforce, who know that they can't be fired for any reason or no reason at all. They simply don't want to have to deal with people like that. And so they're willing to miss out on a billion dollars. They've even said in negotiations in public, they have the money to pay these people. They have that and more to pay these people what they're asking for. But they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it because because they're evil. <laughs> because they're right. evil, they're morally bankrupt, and they want everything that they can take and more for themselves. They, uh, they even began negotiations over a year ago with these people saying that they think the miners make too much money. These people who are making millions of dollars a year by virtue of the fact that they already have money. By virtue of the fact that they had enough money to buy this mine out of bankruptcy. Not by virtue of their hard work. Not by virtue of the fact that they found the coal down in the mines. Not by virtue of the fact that they bring it out of the mines. Just by virtue of the fact that they had the money to buy the mine after it went into bankruptcy in 2015. They think they deserve more money. And the people, the Alabama workers, who actually pull the coal out of the ground... They deserve less. They deserve less. They make too much money. They've got it too good. That's what these people and these international private equity firms think about us. That's what they think about you. That's what they think about me. That's what they think about those folks down in Brookwood. And even some of them at the even higher level, like at BlackRock, are saying that these people who are actually making the decisions are being too craven. Too craven. Because, like I said, they're missing out on a billion dollars. BlackRock said, and BlackRock even said, that it's insane that they gave themselves bonuses and raises after a year only operating the mine at 20-30% capacity. But they gave themselves raises. They gave themselves bonuses. But BlackRock only owns a 14% stake. They're the largest owner of Warrior Met, but it's still only 14%, so they can't unilaterally make the CEO of Warrior Met uh, concede. And it is pretty bad when you are looking shameless and craven, even in the eyes of BlackRock. I mean, one of the most despicable equity vampire firms mm-hmm. out there in this country. Yeah, exactly. So anyway... The union isn't giving in, giving in either. In an announcement last week, International President of the United Mine Workers of America, Cecil Roberts, said that they would be increasing, increasing the strike benefit from $400 a week, which is already the highest of any union, as far as I can tell. I'm not aware of any other union in the country or in Canada, internationally, that has a strike benefit of higher than $400 a week. They're increasing the strike benefit from $400 a week to $500 a week. A 20% increase, 25% increase. So really exciting news uh, for the people that are on strike, especially with uh, inflation and, um, you know, kind of (laughs) as a little bit of, uh, you know, I guess a a, a little bit of of, of something to, to, you know, keep them going. After almost 500 days on strike. And it's really, it is honestly really an extraordinary announcement after the union has spent well over two, uh, tw- not 200, $20 million 
in support of the strike. They've spent over $20 million on strike benefits, just straight checks to the people who are on strike, and then on health care costs because they're covering the health care of these people who are on strike as well. So the idea that they're increasing their investment in these people uh, about 500 days after the strike began, I think that sends a strong message to Warrior Met that they're not giving in. They have no intention of trying to starve these people out, of trying to make them accept a contract that is not fair, and they have uh, they have no intention of giving up. Um, so I think that, you know, that's... I mean that's just that's just amazing, you know. It so. is, and I think that's a, a good reminder that if you haven't donated to the strike fund or the you know strike pantry or the school supply drive, if you haven't done it in a while, uh, if you have anything to spare, now would be a good time to do that. Just to send your support and solidarity, and and to uh, to show those members down there that not only is the UMWA going to have their back, but workers across the country are going to have their back as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, a really, really exciting stuff uh, for them. Um, just a reminder, folks, we've got a phone number, 844-899-TVLR, that you can call or text. Call or text. And we also stream the show live on YouTube and Facebook. People chat us in, in YouTube and Facebook. Let's go to the chat really quick. Um Strom, Infinite Content, both of them say morning. Um, uh, and uh, Infinite Content says, I'm trying to get some leftist folks to come ra- raid the stream today. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, Strom and Infinite Content uh, talking about trying to get us on some other shows. That would be great. Uh, William Pina says, good morning, comrades. UPS contract anniversary is this Monday. Get ready for UPS Teamsters to supercharge the labor movement. And William, I'm extremely excited about the UPS contract negotiations, I think that we're going to see some really exciting stuff out of that. I've been talking to whoever's the principal officer at the Teamsters over in Muscle Shoals. I can't remember if he's a business agent or the president, uh, what what his official title is, but, you know, the head guy, basically. He's talking about how International sent two organizers full-time to try to increase and engage membership in the lead-up to here at Huntsville at UPS in the lead up to the contract negotiations next year. Um, and we're going to try to get them on to talk about that, the, those two organizers and maybe some of the Teamsters, uh, some some of the folks at UPS here in Huntsville themselves. Um, so yeah. really looking forward to to talking to those folks locally and um, seeing what, what happens nationally and internationally. Yeah, and you and I got the chance to listen to the new Teamsters president, Sean O'Brien, uh, who mm-hmm. gave quite the rousing speech yes. in Chicago? <laughs> he seemed ready for action. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely follow that news. Uh, regardless of what industry you work in, the UPS contract is going to be a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just some fun history from Infinite Content. 36 years ago, on July 19th, 1986, the sanitation workers in Philadelphia, which is where he is from, ended their strike. Trash workers striking in the middle of summer was not fun. I can only imagine, were you present for that strike? Were you alive and, and like, you know, cognizant? That's pretty wild. Uh I couldn't. Im- I would imagine that uh, <laughs> trash workers striking in the middle of summer would not be fun. I That's probably the best time for sanitation workers to go on strike. <laughs> I, I would imagine maximum leverage there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, yeah, uh, how did Warrior Matt Cole? 
from Infinite Content again. How did Warrior Matt Cole see fit to give their CEO a raise under these conditions? Uh, well, they're evil. Uh, they're, they're evil and they're craven. <laughs> That's basically. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else. I, you know, I don't know what else to say. I'm really. I, I try to be. I try to be really, really careful about ascribing. You know, moral things to just to just let you know normal people people who believe differently than me but but you know i think that there are a lot of people i i believe deep down in my heart that there are millions of people who have extremely different views than me on a myriad of issues who are deep down like good people like they're they're you know really actually deep down they're good people they want the best for people they just have different ideas about how to get there uh but some people are evil (laughs) some people are evil and i think you know i think this that describes them William Pena says solidarity with United Mine Workers. The mine owners, and this is a good a good quote from Big Bill Haywood. The mine owners did not find the gold. They did not mine the gold. They did not mill the gold. But by some weird alchemy, all the gold belonged to them. That's a, yeah, that's exactly right. Strom says I have a good story about my grandfather training organized truck driver trainees in Alabama. They were making more money than he was. He didn't belong to a union. Alabama has a much stronger labor union tradition than Georgia does. And that's true. Uh, and to this day, mm-hmm. we still have a higher density than Georgia. Is yep. my understanding. Even with Atlanta being, you know, a, mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. metro with uh, obviously a union presence. A higher density than any other state in the southeast is my understanding. Alabama has the highest density of the southeast is my understanding. Infinite Content says regarding the 86 trash strike in Philadelphia says, I was there. Me and my brothers were packing trash and garbage in my grandma's trunk and then washing it out for 30 minutes twice a week. Not fun. Whew. Man, that does not sound fun. That does not sound fun at all. Uh, Folks, we're going to take a break really quick and we will be right back talking about some some really really disappointing local news so stay tuned you're listening to the valley labor report hometown action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial gender economic and environmental justice in alabama's rural communities we stand in solidarity with alabama workers and are proud to support the valley labor reports efforts to inform and build the southern worker movement Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you, too, can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. IBW558 is like a great football team. You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. Energy Alabama is a locally operated and membership-based nonprofit organization focused on advancing Alabama's clean energy future through education and advocacy. Many people in charge of infrastructure and building decisions simply don't know about how viable clean and renewable energy is. To that end, Energy Alabama has provided instruction to more than thousands of adults and tens of thousands of K-12 students across the state. We're working hard to build careers in clean energy and help everyday Alabamians save money on their utility bills. Learn more about our work and how you can join us at energyalabama.org. 
Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. It's that time of year again, Christmas in July. Monday, July 25th at 305 8th Street. Christmas in December is when we receive the gifts that we wish for. Christmas in July at 305 is a time to address residents' needs. Clothing, socks, underwear, bedding, and more. <laughs> or maybe just a treat or two thrown in for fun. To add to the fun, individually wrap each item. A needs list for each resident will be provided. Email CYDNEY at 305 8 Call 256-777-9642. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth, all wealth should go to labor, and you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or send us a text. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We've got somebody on the line right now from a 334 area code, but first I am going to read our ad from the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades because I still haven't taken the time to come into the studio and record that. So, um... Are you looking for a new future, a career that you can set, that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, IUPAT. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glaziers who install glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn, and you receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. 
We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families, and you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that number is 205-603-3142. Give Adam Booth a call for more information and come build a better future with us and join IUPAT today. All right, Adam, let's bring on our caller from a 334 area code. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is Mel Sutton. I was calling you uh, this morning, Jacob, uh, about the uh, mine, mine, minor strike at Warrior Met. Yes, Mel. Uh, good to have you. You know, I was going to give you a good morning, first of all, you and uh, you and Adam. Uh, just going to give you an update and add insult to injury to your report out about the strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I feel confident in doing this. Don't think I'm overstepping my bounds. You know, I sit on the the West Alabama Labor Council, and uh, Larry Spencer, who is a, a union rep for the mine workers, he is a uh, representative at the, at the Labor Council. Mm-hmm. He's a region vice president with the Labor Council, and uh, we always give a report out about what's going on in at uh, different different areas and different locals. And uh, during his report out. I don't know if it's been reported, but there there is a tentative agreement in hand. Wow! From Warrior Met to to the mine. Well, yes, yes, there is a, a tentative agreement, but it comes it comes with a stipulation, and this is what you'll find to be insulting. They have offered up this tentative agreement with the uh, only way they will they will recognize it. And is that they will uh, throw 37 individuals under the bus. <clears throat> In other words, they got a list of names with 37 names on this list that they do not want back in the mine. Mm, wow. But the, the caveat is, is they have to ratify this tentative agreement before they'll give them the 37 names. Wow. Oh, come on now. Now this now and this this was reported out at our labor council meeting. So it's not this is not rumor. Right. This is not speculation. This was reported out and recorded at our our labor council meeting. Wow. Well, Mel, I appreciate you calling and reporting that, but uh, definitely don't like to hear that. That is a pretty disturbing, and I think sets a really dangerous precedent when you start, you know, when companies start doing that. I mean, you you know, as a union, you mm-hmm. as a union, as a local, you cannot you cannot do that to your membership. No. Hey, look, if 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 there's enough evidence out there that these 37 <laughs> individuals has done something, then let the law handle it. Right. Follow the process. Mm-hmm. Or if, if or if it's previous work history, then we'll get a contract. Right. You feel like you got the evidence to support firing them, then fire them, and we'll represent them as needed. Exactly. I mean, but but don't but don't hold, don't hold this over all the other members' heads to throw thirty seven 
of our members under the bus to get a contract. But now that was reported. And 37 members that you don't even know who it is. So so theoretically, uh, yeah, I mean, theoretically, if, if the UMW... Yeah, theoretically, if the UMWA sends this out for ratification, which surely I wouldn't, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you know if they're planning on sending it out or not, sure, surely they wouldn't, but if if they did... The, the position taken the position taken at the meeting was, no, no, we're not willing to do that, you know. Yeah. I mean, if, if they did... I really don't. Yeah, if they did, they'd be asking people, you know, you'd be voting as a member like... You know, potential like it could be you that's on that right. list. You've I was thinking no, that same thing. No you may be voting to for, remove yourself without wow. even knowing it. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that's wild. I mean, my gosh, the that that is the the depths at which they'll stoop to. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it but that was reported out at, at our labor labor council meeting, and you know during our report outs and. Uh, Wow. But yeah, I just want you know while you were, while you were on that subject, I just thought I would you know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great update. I appreciate that. Yeah, that that was great. You are you going to be at the Coke Convention Monday, Jacob? I am. Yes, sir. Yeah, the Alabama for th- for those those who don't know, the Alabama AFL CIO is the statewide federation of unions. Um, it's where it is. It is basically the body of unions in Alabama, and. Uh, every two years, we have a COPE convention, a Committee on Political Education, I believe is what it stands for. And we vote, we hear candidate statements, and we vote to endorse or not endorse at this at this convention. It begins this year on Monday and ends on Tuesday, and candidates will be giving their statements. Uh, we'll be doing our interviews with the candidates beginning on Monday at 9 a.m., well, I look forward to seeing you, Jacob, and I won't keep you. I was just, uh, I just thought I'd enlighten you about how the stoop, how far they all stoop to, to try to get, you know, try to who do uh, thirty-seven good union, good dues-paying members of the of the United Mine Workers. So, yeah, and I, I I appreciate that, and I appreciate the willingness of the union to stand strong and and not accept that even as a possibility because it definitely, you know, there's a, there. There, I can imagine. I can only imagine that there's a lot of pressure to, to be able to get back to work, you know, be able to to have something, um, and and so it speaks to the members and and the officers' dedication to, you know, solidarity and unionism that they are not willing to throw you know 37 random individuals under the bus that they've got no no names or evidence or anything about them. All right, Jake. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go, and I uh, look forward to listening to the rest of the show, Jack. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Thank Mel. you, Mel. That was good. That was good. All right, all right, folks. Yeah, that that's that's wow. amazing. That's wild. That's seriously wild. I know. At one point, they had a they the 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 company was trying to get them to accept an offer that was less like had lower lower wages and benefits and everything than the one that was voted down like 95 to 1 or, you know, uh, 95 to 5% um so yeah i mean it really goes to show that it's we're not making this up when we mm-hmm. say they are trying to starve out the union i mean right. that's clearly their end goal here to the extent that they're even willing to lose money right 
just out of spite, basically. Yeah. Out of, like you said, evil. 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 I, think, I think that's, that's a very mm-hmm. fair description of what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, and Mel's report just confirms it even more. Yeah. Uh, last week, we talked to y'all about the newly reported story. It was new last week. It came out on Friday of last week. The newly reported story about child labor at the Hyundai facility in Montgomery. Um, just to review really quickly, you know, for those of you who haven't heard about it, children as young as 12 years old, 12 years old, were found to be working at a Hyundai parts manufacturing plant in Alabama. A plant that has had multiple OSHA violations, totaling fines of $50,000 over the last 10 years, and a violation as recently as this year in 2022 in the last six months. And this is not, you know, I was telling somebody this yesterday, and there was like, they was saying, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm having even a hard time believing that that would be happening in the United States of America. I can't, are you sure about that, Jacob? Are you sure that that's actually, and you're not, you know, off in, in la-la land and, and whatever? And no, this is not, the, the Enterprise Police Department has confirmed it. The Alabama Attorney General's Office has not denied it. Uh, and there has been no evidence coming from the, from Hyundai or their subcontractor to refute the evidence put forward. Uh, the parents of the child are, who were, uh, one of the children who was working are on record named saying that yes, you know, we needed the money and I'm, I'm not proud of it. Uh, and, and, you know, they're not working anymore. They're back at school, whatever. Named the parents in the report. They right. went on he record. He spoke to Reuters. He spoke to Reuters. The father did. Uh, and, Multiple, multiple unnamed workers at the facility confirmed this and additionally said that at various points in time there were dozens of children working there. Dozens of children working there. And the OSHA violations, which are all public record OSHA violations, uh, the OSHA violations included amputation and crush hazards. So that was just, that was just you know, a, a recap of, of, of what the report what the state of things was last week. Amazingly, it took several days for any of the right-wing news entertainment folks up here in Huntsville and then the statewide institutions like 1819 News and Yellowhammer to so much as mention it. I mean, literally, the report came out on Friday, and I was I was watching these people. I was watching them. Uh, you know, I don't know about the local hosts in the other parts of the state. You can only, you know... You can only take so much poison before it starts to make you sick, right? So, I, you know, but look, I, I'm keeping keeping tabs on three local radio hosts and two, uh, uh, you know, online media outlets, okay? So, you know, if that's not enough for you, you know, cut me some slack. But the first mention of this from Dale Jackson, from Michael Yaffe, from Phil Williams, from 1819 News, and from Yellowhammer News – the first mention of it was on Tuesday. What's that? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Four days after this comes out is the first time that they mentioned it. Four days. 
and they're doing this they're doing this for hours every day it's not like it's not like us you know we've got an hour and a half on the radio and then another an hour and a half online every week so you know we got to be really selective and sometimes we're not going to get to everything that there's always there's always stuff that we want to talk about that we're not going to be able to get right. to right and we're volunteers we just and we're volunteers. We, we scour the news in yeah. our free time and and of course talk with brothers and sisters and such as mail and and we get reports uh, but these are professional These are professionals. These are people who are literally getting Coke billionaire money to do this, <laughs> local capitalist money to do this as their full-time job, and they're on the radio for three hours a day. Three hours a day, and they don't have the time to mention it until Tuesday. And then, and then, even when they do, the only person that I've even seen so much as mentioned it on the radio is Dale Jackson, and he only mentioned it in passing. 1819 News and Yellowhammer only mentioned it in one article this week, one article, and they only did that as a way to attack immigrants. They only did that as a way to attack immigrants, not as a way to lament the tragedy of children working at a facility with amputation hazards, not as a way to point out the failings of the attorney general for refusing to act after knowing about children working here for five months and still to this day not having done so much as issued a statement on the matter. Not as a way to point out the tyrannical nature of bosses and the necessity of workers to organize and secure a good and safe life for themselves, their families, their children, and their communities. They only did it as a way to contort the story to attack immigrants. If they mentioned it at all. I haven't even heard Yaffe or or Phil Williams mention it. And now, you know, I haven't, I haven't listened to every second uh, uh, of their thing, of their radio shows. But I, haven't, I have not seen or heard of them so much as mention it. The Alabama Department of Labor confirmed that they had not been even told by the Alabama Attorney General that this was going on, despite the fact that, again, Steve Marshall... The Attorney General of the state of Alabama has known about this, has known that there were children, there were 12-year-olds, little girls, working at this facility. He has known since February. The Alabama Department of Labor confirmed that they had not heard about this from him. Since learning about this from the Reuters investigation... The Alabama Department of Labor has opened an investigation with the Federal Department of Labor. But what does this likely mean? Civil violations, fines, BS. And I'm only saying that because we're on the radio right now. BS. In other words, just a slap on the wrist for hiring preteens in a facility with amputation hazards. With amputation hazards as a safety violation, not just in, in an abstract way, it is theoretically possible that you get your, your, that you have an amputation at the facility. Not in like, you know, in, in many, many, many facilities, there is a theoretical abstract possibility, you know, anything can happen. I'm talking about amputation hazards that are safety violations by OSHA that they've been fined for. And OSHA doesn't do anything. 
the attorney general would have the authority to bring criminal charges against the people responsible, against the bosses who turned a blind eye at Hyundai and allowed 12-year-old little girls to work in their facility. He could bring criminal charges for child endangerment against them. He could bring all sorts of things. But amazingly, amazingly, despite the reporting from Reuters and now since others, including the Washington Post, showing his total lack of concern for children and families and little girls, despite him ostensibly being pro-family, he has felt the need, he has not felt the need to do anything about this. He's not felt the need to do anything, anything, not even so much as as a statement, as say, as as he has not at time of recording on Saturday, 30 July 2022, the attorney general of Alabama has not said a word publicly eight days, eight days after reporting about children working in a facility in Montgomery, Alabama, eight days. He hasn't so much as issued a statement about it. He hasn't so much as tweeted about it. Instead, he has had the time to share forms that people can report to the attorney general if they got their feelings hurt on Twitter. If you got your feelings hurt on Twitter.com, if you've been censored by the big tech tyrants then you can report it to the Attorney General of Alabama and know that he is taking you seriously. (laughs) But when it comes to protecting children from actual physical danger, (laughs) he won't even so much as acknowledge it. It's disgusting. And one reason for that is exactly what I talked about earlier. The right-wing news entertainment industry in this state has put no pressure on him to do anything. And and he's clearly not individually motivated by any sense of justice or, you know, concern about the citizens and the children of Alabama. And so it will take and it would take some amount of pressure coming up from below to make him do anything about this. It would take some some sort of pressure on him because he doesn't care. He has no sense of justice himself, Steve Marshall, apparently. Yellowhammer News. Coke-funded, flat-earth, military coup, crypto, bo- crypto bro-boosting, 1819 News. Michael Yaffe, Dale Jackson, Phil Williams, none of them. None of them have tried to put pressure on him to do anything about this. Most of them have not even so much as mentioned the story in passing, as far as I can tell. And where they have, like I said, it's been in passing and to attack immigrants. They have not done it to illustrate it, illustrate that this is a political problem, that the Alabama Attorney General is choosing to allow children to work in the state of Alabama. I don't even think that I've seen his name mentioned in any of the reports from them about this. So since Steve Marshall's support structure seems totally fine with international corporations using the bodies of Alabama's children for profit, 
then so is he. From one of our listeners, when our clip dropped last week about this story, Bearded Builder, he said, I just called Steve Marshall's office. This was last week. I talked to a guy and asked him if he knew anything about it. He said, let me connect you to someone who can help you. And it was an answering machine. (laughs) I left a message, but doubt it will help anything. But we can try. If you want to register your frustration with the fact that the Attorney General of the state of Alabama is allowing international corporations to use the bodies of Alabama's children for profit, then you can you can call him. You can send him a letter. That is uh, his phone number. The phone number of the Attorney General of the state of, the, of, the state of Alabama is 334 334- Two four two seven three zero zero. Again, that phone number is three three four two four two seven three zero zero, and the address is Attorney General's Office, State of Alabama, five zero one Washington Avenue, Montgomery, Alabama three six one zero four. Attorney General's Office, State of Alabama. 501 Washington Avenue, Montgomery, Alabama, 36104. And I did drop both uh, in the Facebook and YouTube chat. You should find the YouTube the uh, address as well as the phone number. Uh, definitely encourage folks to reach out to the Attorney General. See if anyone in his office has anything better to say. It is amazing. In a really, really, really disgusting way. And I think, you know, uh, like, the people that were having a difficult time to believing this yesterday, they were, you know, like, they were outraged about it. They were not happy about it. And they were, you know, amazed that the people on their side of the aisle, quote-unquote, because these were conservative people that I was talking to, they were amazed that people on their side of the aisle, the attorney general, who's a Republican, uh, was not doing anything about it. That he hasn't even so much as put out a statement. So you know, I mean, I think like, look, we're on right now. We're on a conservative talk radio station, WVNN, um, live. We will be later on a uh, black talk station in Muscle Shoals, WZZA. But I think the folks here in Huntsville who are listening to us on the conservative talk radio station. I mean, I think the. I I think I think that most of you, everybody listening to the sound of my voice, uh thinks that 12-year-old children should not be working in parts manufacturing plants that have amputation hazards. Like, I don't think that's a crazy thing to think. And so, you know, I would encourage you, especially, especially if you're a conservative Republican, especially you, to call the Attorney General's office and, and let him know, let him know that you're a conservative Republican and that you think that he should do something about it. Because I don't, I, don't I don't think that this is like... You know, a conservative or liberal issue, or or you know, a libertarian or a socialist issue. I'm, I think that I think that most people, I think that most common decent people, think that that's a moral outrage. Right. It's it's a matter of human decency. Yeah. And I, it's disgusting that to the extent that it's being covered by some of the right wing media in the state, it's just yet another opportunity to bash immigrants. Uh, and you know that's why we made a point last week when we talked about this to to reiterate that 
our immigrant brothers and sisters are our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. Uh, and we are facing the same exploiters and oppressors. Uh, and some of our listeners in the chat have, have mentioned that as well. Yep. Uh, it's important that we resist any attempts at xenophobia, especially when it's something like this, when it's clearly meant to distract us from the much bigger issue of literal children working in dangerous manufacturing right. plants. Right, right. Um, it does not seem... It, 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 it does not seem like it should be that crazy. Mel writes in the Facebook chat that this should be covered under federal child labor laws. And it is. And, and, and like I said, now the Federal Department of Labor is 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 investigating. And so, I mean, you know, what, are we going to have yet another instance where the federal government has right, to come intervene right. and make <laughs> Alabama do something right? Right. Uh, it's it's yeah, it, it, sad. Yeah, it's definitely sad. Um, yeah, so that that's... We're going to go ahead and take another break, and we will be right back. Uh, we've got some more uh, got some more stuff to talk about on the other side of the break, talking about um, Republicans wanting to cut taxes yet again for businesses, funny enough. Um, and we'll talk to you about the Scottsboro, give you an update on the Scottsboro Starbucks workers. So uh, don't change the channel. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report, and we will be right back. Energy Alabama supports consumers and is a leader in advocating for them. We have been able to successfully fight off utility rate increases in the state, reduce fees for electric vehicles, increase electric vehicle infrastructure spending, and secured a $100 million refund by Alabama Power after the utility overcharged customers for fuel. To learn more about our work advocating for customers and join the fight, go to energyalabama.org. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW-55V. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30, and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW-558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW-558.org. North Alabama DSA is looking for folks to work for a better North Alabama. They prioritize mutual aid, municipal activism, and union solidarity. Contact them on social media or dsanorthalabama at gmail for more information. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity. Y'all. 
Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower-than-average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long-term, if you need ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. Only Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or shoot us a text. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We got a text over the break. Do you think, from a 267 area code, do you think that Biden should tell his NLRB to step in and make Warrior Matt negotiate in good faith. Um, yes, he should do everything in his power to... He should he should be doing right now everything in his power to uh, bring Warrior Matt to its knees. I don't know what the machinations would be through the NLRB. I do know that historically the Secretary of the Department of Labor has been involved in negotiating contracts. And in fact, just recently, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh last year uh, helped to negotiate a contract between Kellogg's and the BCTGM union when they were on strike. Uh, the Baker's uh, Bakery Confectionery... Uh, tobacco and Grain Millers Union. They were on strike at Kellogg's, and Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh uh, helped negotiate a contract. And so I do not understand why the Biden administration is not even putting public pressure on Warrior Met. It seems to me like such... 
just political gold. Like, right. it, you know, beyond, you know, again, it seems like so many times there, you know, there, there are ways to justify actions or to incentivize actions that are not the most uh, savory. You know, I think that we should be, I think that we should be supporting these coal miners down in Alabama uh, because that is what justice would dictate. That is what justice would say is that these people uh, deserve more for what they are doing. Uh, that, that coal miners, you know, if anybody, you know, deserves to make a lot of money, it would be coal miners. And at least they should make as much money as they were making before the bankruptcy of Jim Walters Energy. At least they should be making that much. And, that's and, what and they at least deserve for. the respect right. of good faith negotiation. But let's say let's say that we're not motivated by good things for people. Let's say that we don't actually care about, you know. So we might be a politician. So we like Put, putting ourselves in the headspace of a politician, you're saying. Yeah, put put yourself in the headspace of a politician like Joe Biden who doesn't actually care about working people, I think is is safe to assume. As a political matter, coming to you know, coming to a rally in Alabama on behalf of coal miners against BlackRock capitalists, against, you know, these people that for one reason or another everybody hates. Nobody likes BlackRock anymore, even, you know, the Republican base. And you can, you know, lambast them, even just just as a rhetorical thing. Just say like, ah, oh, you know, I can't believe these people haven't got a good contract or whatever. Even just like not even actually doing anything, but just saying saying the things. It seems like such a political winner. But then, if you actually did the, did something, if you actually did something about about the thing, use the Department of Labor, use some mechanism to force them to give these people a good contract. It just seems like such a political no brainer. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. I mean, and absolutely, there are things that could be happening that should be happening. Uh, yeah, send Marty Walsh down to Tuscaloosa County. Have him attend a rally. How about uh, OSHA open up some new investigations? Right. How about the Mine that's Safety what, Commission take yeah, a closer look? That's what um, Tim James said he would do when he was running for governor. When he right. was running and for if governor. if that moron could come up with such an idea. Right. Uh, don't tell me that there's not options on the table. It's you know? insane. It, uh, as uh, Infinite Content just put in the chat, if Marty Walsh showed up for uh, the Warrior Met coal miners, it would put every corporation on notice. Right. And right. and I think that's, that's And I don't important. understand. He did that for the Kellogg strike, and the Kellogg strike was only like two or three months. I don't understand why there is not national political pressure coming from the Democrats. Right, and still is – you know, in some senses, a uh, national security type mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. industry. Um, you know, the it doesn't make sense. The federal know. government has time and time again intervened in steel industry. Right. Uh, this is metallurgical coal. Again, I mean, it's it, it does seem like a no brainer. Uh, I, so I I'm glad someone texted that in uh, because that's a good discussion. And mm-hmm. you know, just as we're we're calling on folks to reach out to Steve Marshall, our disgraceful attorney general in the state of Alabama, uh, we we need to be reaching out to the labor secretary and to the White House. Yeah, and, you know, and if you're a Democrat and you voted for him, uh, bring that up. Right. Just like if you're a Republican and you voted for Steve Marshall and you're as outraged as we are about child labor in the state of Alabama <laughs> in 2022, uh, you should bring that up to him. Yeah. Um. 
go into the YouTube chat. Hey, folks, we've got 15 people watching, and only 10 people have liked the thing. So what's up with that? Like the stream. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Infinite Content says, um, hey, can you make this point really quick? Police are the only unions that take action against others that are engaging in labor actions. And yes, that is why Absolutely uh, police true. unions do not belong in the labor movement. Strom says, Michael Goldfield has written some pretty amazing stuff on the associative power extended by coal miners to steel and textile uh, industry workers and teachers in Alabama in the Great Depression and World War II. Interestingly enough, David Story, co-founder of the Valley Labor Report, his grandmother was president of a textile union that went on strike in North Alabama uh, during the big textile strike. The, the, the big wave in 34, yeah. right? Yep, yep, yep. Um... Let's see. What else have we got? Uh, Infinite Content says, I thought this story has been in the news for about a week and a half. It has, but not on right-wing news entertainment in Alabama. Um, Strom also says, check out America's Other Automakers by Timothy J. Minchin. Uh, Deathbird in the YouTube chat says, the Southern bourgeoisie has always cared about Southern workers exactly the same amount, generation after generation, which is to say they don't. And that is that is true. Strom says, we must d- develop this general popular understanding of this general truth. Uh, Deathbird then says, maybe if we find clapbacks to problematic tweets from these 12-year-olds, we can get Steve Marshall's attention. And unfortunately... That may be the only way that he would care about that. <laughs> he also says, uh, Deathbird, Jacob out here with radical takes like tweens should not be working in parts manufacturing. <laughs> um, slow down now. Slow down. You might be alienating folks with yeah. those hot takes you got. Like kids should keep all their <laughs> fingers should, and toes. Kids should be in school and not lose toes working for international corporations. <laughs> Oh, man. And there's some good back and forth there uh, with Strom and uh, Rai Rai and some others talking about um, this whole concept of wokeness and, and just the word itself, woke, that is so overplayed. Uh, some good discussion there in the chat about, you know, mm-hmm. what that really means and and how do we pivot away to the right wing narratives on this and, and to some degree the liberal narratives on this to look more at solidarity. Yeah. Joe Marshall says in the Facebook chat, I will call Steve Marshall's office on Monday. No relation to me, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we don't want to associate Joe with that creep. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to let's go to this. Um, speaking of Alabama politicians not caring about Alabamians, <laughs> State Senator David Sessions. <laughs> oh. I I had never did you had you ever had any run-ins with this guy before? I've never had any run-ins with him. No. Okay. Uh, I had not heard about him until this the, until this story that I saw on um, Coke-funded uh, flat Earth military coup crypto bro boosting eighteen nineteen news. I had never heard of this guy, State Senator David Sessions, before. But uh, with inflation at about nine percent right now. Many working families are definitely being hit at the grocery store. And this is not made any easier by the fact that Alabama still has a tax on groceries. One of only 13 states to do so, adding another 6 to 9% on top of inflation. Naturally, then, Alabama politicians are talking about another business tax cut in the next session. 
So, <laughs> you heard that right. Instead of trying to galvanize support and build a coalition for repealing what is probably one of the single most consequential taxes on working people in the state of Alabama, a tax on groceries, politicians like State Senator David Sessions, a Republican from Grand Bay, Alabama, is talking about still more tax cuts for bosses. It's absolutely amazing. He says in an interview on the Jeff Poor Show down in Mobile, quote, I'm certain there'll be more. Like I said, we did several last year. We did a small one on the business personal property tax. As a small business person, I've never really liked that one much. <laughs> I would like to see it done away with totally. It's personal. And see, this is funny. When I read It's Personal... I just saw that quote. I was like, oh, this guy, like, he wants to cut taxes for himself. Like, that's pretty convenient. But then he goes on to say later in the interview that he's actually totally exempt from this tax because he's a, he, he owns a farm instead of another small business. So this is just like class solidarity for the bosses. Right. <laughs> this is, I well, mean, he wants to be able to brag at the country club yeah. to all, all, you know, all of his friends that he cut their tax bill. And now they can enjoy some of the same wonderful tax breaks that he enjoys. Yeah. But I, I'm just going to go out here on a limb and say uh, I'm not a small business person. I'm a working class person. And I'm not a big fan of the grocery tax. Right. Uh, it's a little bit personal. <laughs> and, Every and, time I go to Walmart and yeah. Publix, it's personal. And the thing is is Infinite Content says in the chat, why not just eliminate the grocery tax altogether, which is exactly what you should do. And the question arises always – what are we going to replace the funding with? Because the grocery tax funds ed- education and stuff like this. Right. And that, that's and, a major issue. And that is an obstacle to dealing with it because obviously the education community is going to be right. um, skeptical of any proposals to cut the grocery tax unless there is like rock solid plans to replace the funding. Right. Because the last thing right. we need to do in the state of Alabama is cut education funding. Jesus. And, and the, the thing is, is that... You could literally just just tax big businesses, tax wealthy people, add another bracket on the income tax for higher earners, people right. who make over, I don't know, $400,000, tax them at, at, at another 1% on income over $400,000 or something. You know, this is like you could literally just – so many ways. So many ways this. and so many ways that you could shift – the burden from working people to people who have it much easier. And they don't, they don't do this because it, th- there would be attack ads about, oh, they raise taxes or whatever. And, and the thing is, every session, every session that they choose not to eliminate the grocery tax, it is a choice. It is an active choice to continue taxing working people, poor people like me and you, people who work for a living. It is an active choice to continue taxing us and relieving the tax burden that would otherwise be there on the wealthy, on bosses. Every year, they choose to tax working people like me and you instead of bosses, instead of wealthy people. That's a choice that they make every year because every year they have the option to 
to maintain the same amount of tax revenue coming in and just shift the burden to the wealthy. But they don't. They always choose, it is a choice, to maintain the tax burden of the grocery tax, which sales taxes are the most regressive type of tax. They Because... By their very nature, they affect people who have less income more than people who have more income. If you have, if you make $10,000 a year, $20,000 a year, all of that money is going to go towards your expenses, towards rent, utilities, and groceries, right? So something like 20% of your income, 20% of your income is going to go towards groceries. Whereas a person who makes $100,000 a year, $200,000, $300, a million dollars a year, only like 1% of their income is going to go towards groceries. So that means that you're taxing on an income basis more on poor people, on working people than you are on higher income people, on bosses, things like this. Right. And one thing to add here, is, and we've talked about it on the show several times, uh, Alabama Rise has already done the homework for them. Like, mm. they don't have to come up with a new plan. Uh, Alabama Rise, who does great work uh, around policy, particularly around poor folks in Alabama, they have put out the research, they've put out a study, they've put out a plan that could actually replace this revenue uh, while providing a tax cut for the majority of Alabamians. It's pretty simple. You just remove the federal income tax deduction that's in Alabama's tax code, which disproportionately benefits the wealthy. You remove that, and you would be able to remove the grocery sales tax and have actual more revenue coming in than you would otherwise. Yeah. So the state of Alabama could raise more funds, Majority of Alabamians would actually see a tax cut, and the only f- f- folks who would see any modest increase in their taxes would be the very wealthiest Alabamians, which, again, you know, they wouldn't be paying the grocery tax anymore either, so it's still offset. Right. It still would be incredibly modest. But by doing this, uh, we would relieve the tax burden on working-class people in the state we would raise more revenue in order to actually improve education funding or, mm-hmm. or wherever else it may need to go. Um, it's, it's so common sense. And like you said, every legislative session, it is a choice. Right. They choose what to prioritize and they choose what bills are going to get a vote. They choose what bills are going to get passed. Um, and every year, inevitably, there are more tax cuts for business and for the wealthy uh, with complete inaction when it comes to working class people and the tax burden we bear, uh, and needless to say, any sort of investment in the social safety net. I mean, it's 2022. We haven't even expanded Medicaid in this state. Right. Right. Yeah, it's really disgusting. As we're wrapping up here on the radio, I did want to mention to you, give you an update on the Scottsboro Starbucks workers who are organizing a union down there uh, just 40 minutes east of here where we are broadcasting from. Uh, Ballots went out last week, early last week on Monday or Tuesday, I believe it was, in the election. So we'll be seeing uh, the election results here in about a month. And two days before ballots went out, two of the lead union organizers who were clear yes votes were fired. And somehow, 
The Starbucks Workers United lawyers seem very confident that this means they will not be able to vote. I talked to somebody the other day who said, I thought that if you had worked there for six months before the election, you could vote. And I asked that to the people in the union, to people who knew folks in the union, and they said, no, the, the, for some reason, I don't know what it is about maybe it's part some, something particular about part-time work that maybe makes it anyway – they feel confident that these two yes votes will not be able to be to participate in their election, which is convenient for Starbucks. And so there is going to be today, in an hour, a community show of support for these Starbucks workers. Adam and I will be going down there and showing our support for them. Uh, at least half a dozen union members from the North Alabama Labor Council will be joining. I'm really excited about that. Folks from the Birmingham Democratic Socialists of America, the Birmingham Starbucks Workers United are going to be there as well. Uh, and you are welcome to come, especially if you're a member of a union. You should wear your union shirt or your Starbucks Workers United shirt if you have one and meet at the the Scottsboro Starbucks, Scottsboro, Alabama. It's on John T. Reed Parkway at noon. At noon on Saturday, 30 July. Here in about an hour, the community is going to be going and showing support. Not going to be not going to be, uh, you know, buying anything from Starbucks or anything. Uh, not going to be like chanting or, uh, uh, you know, having signs or anything. It's just going to be we're going to be present in the building, in the Starbucks, uh, you know, just there to physically show our support for these workers who were fired and for the workers who are left um facing retaliation from management as they try to form their union. So uh, hope to see a lot of y'all out there here in about an hour. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up overtime a little bit early, probably wrap it about noon, and we'll be about 30 minutes late or so. Um, uh, that's that's what we've got. <clears throat> that, that's what I've got on my mind uh, to do. So, Additionally, a couple other plugs as we are wrapping up here on the radio. There is a free automotive repair and service project that is hosted by the North Alabama School for Organizers on August 14th from 9 to 3 at Knights Village in Huntsville. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-899-TVLR or text us, and we might read it or listen to it on the next program. You can buy a hat, pre-order our new short shirt or give us money on our website tvlr.fm find us online where we will be reacting to jordan peterson's message for ceos that's gonna be fun (laughs) can't wait can't wait to hear what he's got to say (laughs) i came in here i came in here uh, uh listening to it and adam was like what in the world are you listening to uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun listening to that. And there's going to be a couple things that we didn't get to during the main show. I think we're going to go over that local news story. Um, and obviously taking your calls and chatting with the chat. So find us online, YouTube, Facebook, at The Valley Labor Report. Until next week, all power to the workers. You'll find overtime in your podcast feed on Thursday.